0: Save time and money versus going to a shop
1: by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
0: Hi there, everybody, and welcome to the first broadcast of Philly's Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne, I guess uh, better known as the best friend of the fanatic, and I'm here with my friend and co-host, director of fun and games, John Brazier, and we are coming to you live from the Richie Ashburn broadcast booth at Citizens Bank Park. Although John, that's probably not even right, right? Because I'm saying, we're live. But <laughs> yes, we, are. we a, are alive, thank God. This, this is a podcast, and uh, it, it, we will be recorded, and people will be listening to us, you know, on their computer, in their car. When I left home today, I told my wife, "Hey, we're doing our first broadcast," and I said, "So this way, you know, you could download it, and when you're at the gym and you're on the treadmill or working out, you can have my voice in your head talking about <laughs> Philly baseball." She was thrilled, John. Well, but but we, welcome, welcome. Thank
2: hey. you, Tom. We've talked many years. Because I've known you for 25 years. We've talked many years about doing a radio show together. So this, I guess, kind of counts that we're doing a radio show together. And I tell you what, between your stories and my stories that we both tell to each other, we might as well get it out <laughs> to, to other people so they can hear. I mean, there's you know, 25 years history. You've had 30 years, right, at yes. the Phillies organization.
0: You know what? I got my – in prep for this show last night, I actually got my calculator out, and I added those two numbers together. 55 years between us both, John. Can you believe it?
2: Well, and I tell you this. So 50, what, what does 55 years do for you? It gives you great stories. <laughs> That's right. No money, but all good. But, right. No, great stories, great access to people that uh, have a wealth of fun, knowledge, stories. I mean, I'm telling you, we're going to get, you know, coming up, we're going to have uh, Chrissy Long on, who's our director of entertainment. But, you know, down the road, we want to have Video Dan, who is is our video guy. Everything you see up uh, up on the on the uh, fanavision but also a lot of the movies that we create uh, videos uh, that's all video damn but but more importantly he just has just I guess because he has the access to the players and coaches, he has unbelievable stories. You know, we're going to have Mike Buckhalter as a ground crew member. We're going to have Dan Baker. Think about all the different stories he has. You know, go back into his biography. You know, how he got started. So it's going to be a lot of fun this whole year. We're going to do it every Wednesday, right? Yes, every Wednesday. Or we're going to record it every Wednesday, and then hopefully, you know, it'll be on the Phillies website uh, after a couple days later. But uh, it's really going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to working with you.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be cool, John. Because uh, listen. I – if you want to listen to a great podcast, listen to Todd Zalecki on phillies.com. He puts out a great podcast. If you want to talk Phillies baseball, the yeah, nuts, the bolts. And we're not
2: going to be really talking about <laughs> Phillies baseball. Maybe if something fun, crazy happens out on the field that we can, that will take us to a different tangent. But we're, that's not our show, right?
0: It's not our show. But also, I think we're going to wind up talking to players uh, throughout the year and having some fun with them. Maybe we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later in uh, today's Yeah, because I've got a
2: surprise for you that I'm going to uh, throw at you that we're going to be doing for our players. Down the road.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to that. I don't know what you're talking about, it, but okay, uh, that sounds good. You know, I know, John. This was uh, your idea to get us together uh, on microphones and uh, just tell our stories and, and bring our, our guests in. But you know, uh, what's really cool, I think we we have a lot in common. We're the same age. Uh, we both grew up in this area and love Philly sports. I mean, just love it and. We talk about it how many times? I know we really appreciate that you know we're sitting here. You're sitting in LA's chair. I'm sitting in Fransky's chair. We're looking out at a beautiful Citizen Bank Park. Uh, it's just awesome, and I know we talk about it all the time. Like. When we were kids if somebody came up to you and said right. hey john you know someday you're going to have you know a radio show uh, about the phillies or you're going to be able to you know meet some of the your heroes you know some you know mike schmidt and steve carlton not just meet them but hang out with them and and not just the phillies i mean you've played golf or I'm sorry, you've played uh, hockey with the broad bullies and right. you know all these people you get to meet i mean it, it's just really a blessing i just really feel fortunate i think we both share that
2: i agree and tom why don't we before we get into the show uh before we bring on chrissy uh the next segment why don't you talk about and i'll, I'll explain my end how did you get how did you get your job how did you become the best friend of the fanatic
0: oh wow well i mean um just crazy. I mean, the, the bottom line is, I answered an ad in the newspaper, John. Really? <laughs> it really just came down to that. Answered, I had graduated from Drexel University. I actually was a mascot at St. Joe's Prep. I was the hawk. And I uh, got this. Uh, you know, took a job in sales when I graduated from Drexel. But uh, it wasn't going so well. So I'm looking through the uh, one ads in the Philadelphia Inquirer. And sure enough, there's a, there's a, a one ad that says, mascots want it. M for Mascots, I was looking under M for Marketing because I was a marketing major, M for Mascots, I sent in a resume, I get a call back from Chrissy, who's gonna be our first guest, saying, hey, we're looking for uh, the backup friend of the Fanatic. Uh, by the way, John, it's gonna be tough calling me the friend and talking about the Fanatic uh, all year, but I'm gonna do my best, <laughs> but he is my best friend. Uh, but you know, I, I couldn't believe it because I didn't know what that ad was for. So when Chrissy called and said, wait, what? I'm saying Philly Fanatic, you're kidding me. John, I, I considered myself to be the biggest Philadelphia sports fan in the area. I mean, really, as a kid growing up and at that time coming out of college, I loved everything Philly sports. So I almost fainted when I got that call And sure enough, came down, kind of auditioned, interviewed, and, you know. uh, 30 years later. Chrissy called me, uh, you know, a couple weeks later, and here we are 30 years later.
2: That's great. And same thing. I I had different circumstances that uh, you were proactive knowing what you wanted to do. And for me, I graduated from college, uh, University of Virginia, and I did a lot of coaching when I was in college, and I got a job offer to coach lacrosse and play over in Manchester, England. So, you know, it was kind of out of the blue. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I got a free trip to Europe to basically go play and coach a sport that I loved. So I did that for a year, thought maybe I was going to be a coach or a teacher and came back and started interviewing uh, for jobs. And I guess some of them were sales opportunities. I got a job in the insurance industry, lived in Baltimore for three years, selling employee benefits to corporations. Fun, Which, fun, which fun. was just totally, well, this is totally <laughs> leading up to, of course, that leads to what I'm doing now. And then I, <laughs> then I got a job for, I did that three years. Then for two years, I was a consultant wa- living in Washington, D.C. So now I am six years out of college. It's now 1993. I go up to Philadelphia, where I grew up in the in suburbs, and came up to Philadelphia for a wedding, and little did I know that the uh, the brother-in-law of the of the girl that was getting married who's a good friend of mine the brother-in-law was vice president of marketing for the Phillies and I didn't realize it, but he was – I guess he had created a job for somebody to be the, I guess, the marketing spokesperson, someone to you know, proactively go around to radio stations, and, and you were doing a lot of that before. Exactly. And right. I think he kind of took that job and kind of like just you know, he wanted to make a formal position out of it, and I guess he probably knew that you were going to become the true best friend of the Fanatic. Correct. That – I started talking to him, and I wasn't talking to him because I wanted a job. I, I kept going up to this guy because he had great stories about Kruk and Dykstra and Dalton. The team was, you know, doing well that year. And next thing you know, I stumbled into it. And he said, "Do you have any sports marketing experience?" And I said, "Yes." And I did, had no idea what my experience was when I said yes, but I just <laughs> wow. felt like I had to say the word yes. You're a
0: good marketing guy. You always say yes. So. And
2: I said, "I." Then I, when I had to actually figure out what I did, I told him I marketed the sport of lacrosse throughout the country of England, which is complete BS. And I think he wanted somebody that had some bs and next thing you know bam i'm moving to philadelphia and i took a job at big pay cut and but now i'm I'm, it's the greatest decisions i've ever made in my life and now here i am with you doing a podcast
0: yeah we've had a good time that's for sure john and uh well listen i we have chrissy waiting in the wings i'm really excited about this because you know chrissy really i think embodies uh, and her stories, what our show's going to be about, and that's all the wacky and fun stuff that happens behind the scenes at, at Phillies games when you come to a Phillies game. So, uh, let's take a quick break, alright, and then we'll uh, we'll grab Chrissy, and uh, we'll be back in just a little bit.
1: Sounds good. Celebrate Moms at Mother's Appreciation Day, brought to you by Hers, featuring a stylish Phillies pullover for women age 15 and over, during the Mets series, Sunday, May 13th at 1:35. Order at phillies.com.
0: Welcome back to Philly's Backstage. Uh, we're, this is our maiden voyage, as we said, and I'm so, so excited to have our first guest, John. I'm telling you, um, I've known Chris Long, affectionately known as Chrissy, for a long time. And we were talking earlier, John, how much we love our jobs. Well, Chrissy was the one who called me and told me that I got the job. So uh, Chrissy has a special place in my heart. We've been together for a long time. This is Chrissy's 48th season with the Phillies. And uh, she is our director of entertainment. She's a legend in the business. Welcome, Chrissy, to our first show. You're
3: our first guest. Do you feel honored? I am honored. I am very excited. I'm excited for your podcast and just to be a part of this. And she
0: started
2: when she was two years old. Two years old. That's she's exactly. Because 48th year. <laughs> uh, but, but Chrissy, we <laughs> <are> to- only. <laughs> as, as you know, we are talking with the best friend of the Fanatic right here. But um, the Fanatic came from the Galapagos Islands. Uh, he wh- did. 40 years ago, was it?
3: Uh, Yeah, it was 40 years ago. On April 25th of 1978, uh, the Fanatic was introduced to the fans of Philadelphia. And uh, we were a little nervous because Philadelphia fans, being what they are, uh, we were afraid they might be a little critical. So we started out slowly, and Philadelphia fell in love with the Fanatic immediately. Now,
2: there hadn't been a mascot. Was Mr. Met around at that point? (laughs) I know the San Diego Chicken, but that was the radio station chicken. That was not a team chicken or team mascot. Correct. Correct. But was there was there a mascot before that in any sport?
3: Um, I believe so. I I don't think the Fanatic was the first mascot. Tom, do you know it was but... there
2: was Mr. Met around?
0: You know, like I said, the chicken was a part of a radio station. Uh,
3: Mr. Met. No,
0: I he, he, Let's put it this way. They weren't characters that entertained the way the Fanatic does. So, right. uh it's you know, just, uh, it was just a whole different thing, right, Chrissy? There was nothing like it in baseball.
3: Correct. The uh, the chicken kind of broke the, the old-fashioned mold, and um, I think he's the one that, that kind of introduced uh, a mascot as being entertainment. I think that's the way you would say it.
0: And how was it, Christy? I mean, I, I've talked to Dave Raymond, and uh, we've seen those pictures. We have a couple of those black and white pictures of, of you and Frank Sullivan, who was our director yep. of promotions at the time. You know, the, the fanatic costume came the, that same day.
3: It did. And uh, Dave put it on, and we had him walking around. And uh, he just took to it like a duck to water. <laughs> it, it was pretty natural. We were a little nervous. And uh, he really, he, he brought life to that character, and the rest is history. Well,
2: and he's perfectly suited, too, because tell the story, his mother was deaf, right? His and he was an athlete himself, so there's, there takes certain elements to be the best friend of the Fanatic.
3: Right, and uh, he, he would tell the story um, that his mom, when when she didn't want to she wore a hearing aid she wasn't totally deaf but she would turn her hearing aid off and turn her back and he would have to just keep gesturing to get her attention to make her listen to whatever he wanted to do so he already inherently knew how to communicate non-verbally which of course the fanatic does not speak
0: and part of the fun was really when uh, Mr. Giles thought, hey, let's uh, introduce the Philly Fanatic and uh, put all this into motion, nobody really knew how well it was going to be received. And how exciting was it for you just to be here and all of a sudden, boy, people really like the Fanatic. Um, it became more and more, even that first season, part of the in-game entertainment. And then the phone starts ringing, and I know you were in charge
3: of getting the fanatic to different places all around the city, right? Well, that's how I knew that this was really starting to be a success because within, I would say, a week to two weeks, we were starting to get phone calls. How do we get them to come out and make an appearance at my store, at my kid's birthday, at whatever? And I thought, you know what? I think we're going to do okay. Did we think that 40 years later would still be here? Didn't know that for sure, but we've worked hard to make sure that the fanatic is the premier mascot that that we protect the fanatic and and the character that he is and we love them.
2: What, what was the player, because, again, this is new in baseball other than the San Diego Chicken, what was the players and the coaches you know, back then? So we're talking 1978. So Danny Ozark, I'm assuming, was the manager then.
3: He was and the manager, You yeah. had
2: you had a lot of those guys that were, you know, that was a veteran team. You had Bull, and you had Schmidty and Maddox, and you had a lot of those guys. What was their reaction to the Fanatic?
3: Um, you know what? I can't really picture them doing anything, but, uh, you know, like all players, it was... Uh, you know, get this thing out of here to some <laughs> right. degree.
2: Avuk loved you know? it, right? I'm sure yeah. Avuk loved it. Yeah,
3: it's, uh, you know, the field is for the players. Right. The field is not for the characters. But in time, they all... Began to fall in love with the fanatic and then be a part of it.
0: Well, Mike Schmidt has gone on record recently to say, you know, when he first came out, I really I was jealous of the fanatic because <laughs> I'm getting booed. <laughs> the, the fanatic's never been booed. And then I, I remember the interviewer, I forget, I think it was for SI.com, uh, did a did a whole piece, and uh, he said, wait a minute, Mike, you, you know, you're you're the best third baseman to ever play the game, and you were jealous of the Philly fanatic. <laughs> and Schmidt he said, yeah, you know, so I think there was a little bit of a learning curve when it came to the players
3: but uh (laughs) absolutely but eventually they did they um you know they were part of some of the things that he did they you know were glad to do it and they would bring their kids down to meet the fanatic and you know it went very well.
0: Yeah, well, I think, uh, we, you know, we're part of the right organization in that, I think, uh, especially when Mr. Giles came on board, when you first started, Chris, mm-hmm. right? 1971, you know, Mr. Yes. Giles came in and uh, we opened up Veterans Stadium. Uh, you, you know, went from, you were a hot pants girl, right?
3: I was a hot pants girl, yeah, right? that's how you got,
0: got started, right? Uh,
3: yeah, I went to interview to, um, you know, just be a game day employee. And at the time, they didn't need somebody, but within a month of that interview, um, a friend of mine had—she was working here—and there was a job opening, and they offered it to me. So that—that's how it all started.
2: Which is funny, because this day and age, you know, the political correct world—you can't, you couldn't, we couldn't have hot pants girls, Absolutely
3: right? Absolutely not. Well, You'd have hot, you
2: got to have hot pants boys too, <laughs> right? But then right. you get into a whole new. Hair. But we have a lot of still an employee. I always say. People ask me, you know, how long have you been with the Phillies? I say this is my 25th season. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you've been there that long. I said, there's 50 people, over 50 people, that have been here longer than I have. And some of those, I can count on on my hand right now of, of other hot pants girls that are still here. Sure. Right? Debbie Nacito. Debbie Nacito. Still here. Yeah. Tina Urban. Was she not, not maybe uh, not Tina? She was a
3: uh, she was a hostess. A hostess? Uh, yeah. Joanne Levy-Lamore, right, who, who just left, who just retired. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think Rosie who else. Ron, Rosie Ron, for, uh, Rosie Ron actually was the supervisor. Yeah, she, she was, was the captain. overall supervisor. All right, so, one of
2: the, so as Tom said, you were also in charge of pregame entertainment. So that's national anthems. That's as Tom refer or referenced the first a lot of those first pitch deliveries. So take us back to that time too. In Bill Giles' masterpiece, we had Kite Man and Cannon Man and Rocket Man and Benny the Bomb. I mean, how much fun was that? And, oh. Or how or how scary was that?
3: Oh, it was both. It was both. <laughs> I said a lot of prayers. The scariest, I think, one of the scariest things was watching uh, Carl Belinda walk across the top of the of the stadium, of, and he did it twice. And I just remember I would look up and then I would look down and say a little prayer, and then I would look up and I would look down. Was, was there netting? There had to be netting. No, there, there was, was no, no netting. netting. No, Are you? no netting. And the story I heard,
2: too, is that Mike Damuso, who's still with us uh, on the ground crew, he basically had to pull it tight what, like during the middle was of the is, walk.
3: If you picture the wire that they would walk on, um, there are wires that come out from it to the side of it to keep it straight and to keep it taut. And what they did was they took security and they put them out there, and their job was to pull it tight so that the wire would would be like a U. Well, they they started watching the show, and so they were kind of letting it loose. They weren't holding it as tight. (laughs) Kind of pay attention. So finally, Carl gets about to the middle, and he sits down, and he starts directing them you move back you move that way you move that way because when he came off he said um you can picture it It look like a scribble going across the field that's what the wire looked like to him so uh, you know eventually they they kind of woke up and said okay i know we're watching but we have to hold it and boy he got across that wire and i thought thank you lord
0: So that was the scariest. That was right, the scariest. Now you know, I remember as a kid going to a lot of those first ball uh, opening days and mm-hmm. seeing all the first ball deliveries. Are there any other ones that stick out? I, I mean, of course. Well, of course, everyone hears
2: Kite Man. Everybody Forth-
0: remembers Kite Man. Yeah. And, you know that saga. Do you remember how that all played out?
3: Well, yeah. Were you part of that? With, with wasn't a water skier. Uh. Well, it was. He came from Cypress Gardens in Florida. Right. And um, what he what he said was that they built a ramp. Out in center field, and then literally took a hose and put a hose on it, and he was going to do what he did at Cypress Gardens in Florida, you know, kind of ski down this <laughs> ramp, and he got part way down, and the wind hit him, and he just went right off to the side,
2: <laughs> right um, into the 700 level. Right
3: into the 700 uh, level. Did he get booed? Oh, he got booed. Yeah, yeah, he got (laughs) (laughs) booed.
0: I remember the second time, Chrissy, it was the similar setup, the long ramp, and he made it off, but he veered into the right field corner, not even close to home plate, which is where he was supposed to be going. Right, exactly.
3: That was the second one. And then the third one, we finally found somebody that – um, he the, he got the draft right. He got off, and uh, he landed at home plate well, or pretty, pretty th- darn close I to it. I think a
0: big part of it, too, we, we set up a, a platform in the 500 level in center Correct. field. And Correct. this guy was more Instead of, a hang of the glider. ramp.
3: Yes, he was a hang glider. Instead of a ramp at the top of the ballpark or the stadium, <coughs> excuse me, he just jumped off that ramp. I mean, he just – it was like a straight-out ramp. He just went off of it, jumped, and – Off he went. Fortunately,
2: I definitely would have done that. Now the other one, Chrissy, you must have been scared to death because it involved the fanatic. Wasn't there some fanatic motorcycle stunt? Uh,
3: There was. The fanatic also um, uh, came down on a wire. Yes, from the the
0: top. From the
3: top of the ballpark, he was on a a harness, just like you see um, during the circus. Right. You know when people are doing performances and they have that harness uh, across their wrist. He did that. The Fanatic did that. Yes. I mean, we had um, a uh, helicopter that delivered the first ball that um, had somebody performing uh, underneath uh, on a trapeze. We had that.
0: <laughs> and how about, I mean, as, as far as opening uh, days go and just crazy promotions, Benny the Bomb. <laughs> now, explain to the folks who don't remember Benny, Benny the bon- Bomb what exactly that Benny Benny
3: would actually put himself in what was – he didn't call it a coffin. He called it a box, but it was very similar (laughs) to that. And he had little explosives around it, and he blew himself up. And then he would come staggering out, and the ball girls – or I guess it was the ball girls – would come over, and they'd help him, and they'd walk him to home plate, and he would deliver the ball he did it a number of times for us. And
2: it was right out of like a cartoon, like Bugs Bunny, where he'd be smoking, <laughs> smoke coming <laughs> exactly. off of and It'd be all black with soot and he'd come out of there stumbling. Um,
3: um, and yeah. Then you had Rocket Man, right? Cannon Man. We had Rocket Man. Yep. We had, uh, he had a rocket pack on his back and he lifted up and came over and delivered the ball um that, cannon man
0: and chrissy the, the cannon or uh, rocket man was the one i remember as a kid we always were in the 700 level for opening day and he literally whipped by us in the yeah. 700 level and i just thought it was the coolest thing i've ever seen
2: did the phillies hire lawyers fun. back then or was, there, was it was it pretty you know, lawyer free at that point because it, i can imagine the meetings you guys God. must have had we're gonna have this guy zip, zip around in a Backpack, jet-propelled <laughs> backpack.
3: I don't know that lawyers ever came into it back then. They um, do now, but they didn't back then. Now, Chrissy,
2: do you remember the one time – this might have been – I was here. I, I forget what what it was. I don't think it was the last year of the vet. But we had – if I can remember correctly, we had a rocket man take like go up to the – like uh, fly up to the yeah. upper deck – Give the ball to Kite Man. Kite Man came down, and then the guy who had the hand transplant took the ball from Kite Man, and he threw out the first threw it pitch. Out. Yeah. Right?
3: Well, it was the closing of the vets. So the we closing were, the it was we last were year. bringing in um, all of the big acts that we had done. Um, we did Cannon Man. Uh, we didn't do that for opening day. We waited till uh, August, I think. We did it in August, and uh, we actually had three cannons, and you know they went into the big net.
2: Uh, another We've source of, of nervousness for you, I guess, has been, you know, all the different people that do the national anthems. So what is your, what is, what national anthem, whether it's a celebrity or a choir, something that happened that you were either cringing or you were, you were most nervous about?
3: Well, there was um, a gentleman who was uh, a cameraman, and he just kept asking, and he kind of went through the, the city. But anyway... He got out there and he started to sing, and I I started looking at him and I thought, oh my gosh, I've never heard the second verse of the national anthem, because he wasn't singing the right the correct words. And after he's about halfway through the song, I'm thinking he is not singing the correct words. He
0: didn't break into O Canada, I hope.
3: No, he didn't. I so, think he
2: started making up words, right? He did. It's like fruit he, bats he, and the absolutely. breakfast cereal.
3: And- <laughs> oh, no, my. he he tried to make it. Somewhat, somewhat A little bit patriotic, patriotic right? but so I called up to, at that point, I, I said on my headset, uh, you know, I'm getting ready to pull this guy off, and they said, yeah, I agree with you, but we realized we were pretty much at the end of it anyway, so to cut him off then, uh, and people started Booing! Oh Lord, that was they booed ugly. Booed in Philadelphia, Chrissy? Yeah, I'm shocked. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't blame them for booing that. I don't blame them. And for And how about some of the that.
2: celebs that have sung the national anthem? You've obviously had Art Garfunkel, right? Uh, yeah. Kelsey Grammer here for the All Star Game.
3: Yeah, we uh, Taylor Swift. Taylor when Swift. When Taylor Swift was really. Um, just on the brink. She had just broken. Game um, three she, of
0: the 2008 World Series. Right. It exactly. th- was
3: our first game here, and uh, she sung the uh, national anthem.
0: I so, thought one of the cool uh, national anthems, Chrissy, was in 1993. Uh, it was the first time we invited the Philadelphia Orchestra to uh, right. perform the national anthem, and that was a pretty cool. That,
3: cool was, that was a feat. I'll tell you, that was a feat because the, we were also dealing with rain. You're dealing with thousand 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 dollar instruments and we're putting them out in the rain and we actually had to go to them and say will you still perform if it's damp out because obviously we didn't want to screw up their instruments so we we had the people from the orchestra who helped us get it out and set it up and the beautiful awesome. thing all awesome.
2: right last question for you chrissy is yes. uh you, all, you know, all pregame <laughs> entertainment is under your jurisdiction. So one time we had some elephants from the zoo that uh, came out here, and a lot of the players, right, came, wanted to go into the dugout to watch the elephants perform. Can you can you tell that story?
3: They, they actually were from the circus. From
2: the circus, okay.
3: And it was there was a Gunther Gable Williams was the he was a very well known animal trainer, and normally we would just get one or two, and we would bring them over when the circus was there, and we'd promote. You know, it was cross-promotion. Well, this time he brought everybody. So there they are crossing Patterson Avenue. They left the the, uh, spectrum at the time. They crossed Patterson Avenue. They come down our ramp, and that was daunting as it was because I kept running up to see where they were, and all of a sudden I go running to the top of the ramp, and I come head-to-head with an elephant. (laughs) I butted right back down again, ran down. But they came down, and he made them stand up, and it was like turning on a fire hydrant.
2: In, into the dugout. Into the dugout. Onto the players. On
3: uh, Well, the players did a lot of scrambling. Right. Yeah, they were <laughs> scrubbing that dugout for weeks. So
0: basically, Chrissy, you know, director of entertainment, you're really director of the Dog and Pony show, yes. right? Yeah, That's, it's more
3: like it. John's yeah. got his fancy
0: title <laughs> with director of fun and games. We're so happy you were able to be our first guest.
2: Well, thank um, you.
3: I am proud to be your first we, guest. We could
2: have had Chrissy literally, uh, we could have her every
0: week, right? <laughs> it just, Is it bad form to have a podcast? that for seven hours
2: right,
0: exactly. uh, you know, next and, time we'll talk about the dogs and you know what i thought too, too chris you know david letterman his first guest was bill murray and so when he retired his last guest was bill murray so i'm thinking you were our first guest and when they kick us off the air you're probably going to be our last which, guest. Which, 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 which means next week you're our guest <laughs> right. see you next week chrissy thanks so much for being you're here you're welcome All this right, thanks, was chrissy. fun guys we'll, we'll uh, be right back okay guys
1: Toyota brings you the Reese Hoskins starting lineup collectible figure. Free to all kids 14 and under. Sunday, May 27th at 1:35 against the Toronto Blue Jays. Order tickets now at billies.com.
0: Well, welcome back. And, John, that was pretty cool. Having Chrissy here. And, uh, you know, there's so many stories. I know we joked that we could be here for seven hours. Guess what? We could be here for seven days and not cover all the stories that Chrissy has and um, well, we all, to see uh, and we, we all have
2: because I know yeah. Tom you're uh, when I started in 94 you did the music for a couple of a couple of years so you've got stories from that I've got stories from the music all you know there's so many things that go on in a game or before a game even starts or even during the game as far as the music so going back with Chrissy um, I remember one of the, one of the most uh, terrified I've ever been is, do you remember Rex Hudler, right? oh, sure. Rex the Wonder Dog, one of my favorite guys Loved to Dog. play for the Phils, uh, very entertaining. Um, his wife was a Christian recording artist, so she asked if she could sing the National Anthem. So I went to Chrissy and said, hey, can we get Jennifer Hudler to sing the National Anthem? It's pretty cool that one of our player's wives wants to sing. She's like, that's great. So I And Jennifer's great. She comes down on the field, about four minutes before she's gonna to have to sing, I'm down there with her, and she has a panic attack. And she says to me, "John, I can't do it. I can't remember the words. I'm I'm really nervous. I I, I can't do it. You're gonna to have to get somebody else." Well, we, we don't have anybody else. You know, we, I guess we could have gone to Paul Richardson to do the you know national anthem, but uh, I said, Jennifer, you're gonna be fine. Just you know, again, once you get started, "Oh say can you see?" You can you know you'll get into the flow and rhythm, and you'll be fine. And so she looked at me, she said, can you sing with me? And I thought she meant to go out to the mic (laughs) and sing with her. And I said, um, I said, no, I'm not really a uh, singer. And she said, no, 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 just, I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be staring at you. Just mouth the word. So I, so I don't get lost. So I said yes a little too quickly. And then. I start getting nervous. I was going to say you
0: just realized you didn't know the national <laughs> <I happen. laughs> anthem. <I'm, well>, just <laughs> like anybody,
2: that's a that's a hard song. Like I mean, I don't obviously I don't have to sing it, but I had to get the words right. What if I send her down the wrong path and she starts going into an ACC, ACDC song or something, right? Oh my goodness! So you know, she got she did it and and everything was obviously fine. But I was petrified that whole time. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's been an art for another one is here, here's a guy who, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right, performed at Central Park. You would think singing the national anthem for him would be, you know, fun or just be easy. He was, he was real. I mean, he, he outwardly didn't say he was nervous, but you could tell. And I tell you what, all these celebrities that do it, if you mess up, You're on, you're on, back then you were on Letterman and Leno, you know, you're on late night TV now with social media.
0: You know, there's a lot of artists that don't want to do the national anthem. And one of the reasons we have choirs do the anthem is because, well, if you have a choir, you you don't have to worry about it. But when you have one individual out there singing, uh, if they mess up. Then everybody knows about it, right? But what happened to Art? He uh, did he forget the lyrics? No, no,
2: no. He was fine. He, but you could tell that he was—he was nervous. He was—he he, again, he didn't outwardly say that, but I could tell. He's asking his handler. He's like, you know, what can happen? What can go wrong? The mic could short, right. you know. The you know, it might not be plugged in. Blah blah blah. And you know, I guess maybe that's just the way he was. You know, such a perfectionist. But I guess my point is that. You know, it's scary for anybody, especially someone who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And we've had a lot of people, Meatloaf, we've had Darius Rucker, we've had, you know, a lot of different celebrities do it. And, you know, I'm sure it's not easy for them.
0: It's not easy. It's not easy. Well, and just listening to Chrissy, John, what I I think of, and we were touching on it, just when we were kids and coming to the game and it was everything about the vet it was you know the scoreboard just the animations that were so you know rudimentary back then you know but you loved it and you know the crazy and wacky promotions you know and now for us to be in a position like I still can't believe you know we're here and we get to be part of that putting that on and then when it comes to getting involved in opening day first balls and the fanatic since I've been here has been really involved in some of that stuff. Chrissy mentioned uh, the helicopter. I thought she was going to say uh, you know, when the Vet opened in 1971, uh, they tossed a, a baseball out of a helicopter to Irish Mike Irish Ryan, Mike Ryan yep. who was the catcher for the Phillies at the time. So, in 1995, we celebrated the 25-year anniversary of the Vet, and we uh, replicated that first pitch, uh, for, uh, first uh, ball delivery.
2: Once again, lawyers weren't involved. Right? No lawyers, <laughs> because, he, because if he misses that ball, it hits him in the head, he's you know we don't not, know, we know we're doing
0: an Irish wig for Mike Ryan, and he was 25 years older, <laughs> and not to mention. Uh, that, but also I was with the Fanatic. We had the Fanatic throw the ball out of the helicopter and John, I'll never forget you know, uh, I was with the Fanatic. We get on the helicopter down by the river and then we're flying around the city, which was awesome, you know on opening night and just to come over the ridge of the vet in a helicopter the Fanatic is literally strapped and hanging out of that helicopter sell out crowd there's a little dot down there is Mike Ryan, and the Fanatic had to throw the ball down. He had to kind of put a spin on it to cut through the air. If you were to just drop it, it would have fluttered. So right. they said, hey, actually throw it. So the Fanatic kind of threw a curved ball to Irish Mike Ryan. He made the catch. And I just remember thinking, I can't believe I'm up here in an helicopter with the Fanatic when, you know, as a kid – I would have died for this. Right, you know? right. So, uh, you know, just so many. But great, wasn't there great a motorcycle? In my, I, I mentioned that. Was didn't no. the fanatic get on a motorcycle? Absolutely. What it was was there was a, a like a wheel. Of, wheel of death, was yeah, it? No, that was a. Oh, that was another one. one. That was a different one. The, okay. we, we had the Ninja Turtles in for that one, where the fanatic strapped himself to this big wheel and they turned him around and around. We called it the wheel of death. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a tightrope. Kind of like that, you know, where the Fanatic uh, did, as Chrissy mentioned, uh, you know, come down on that uh, high speed, coming down with the first ball. This was a a tightrope that went to the top of the stadium, and a motorcycle went up to the top of the stadium with the trapeze underneath the motorcycle, and the Fanatic was on the trapeze, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> who came up with that one? Yeah, not our lawyers, like you said. <laughs> right. Not our lawyers.
2: Right. I mean, it's just I. I love it. I. I. I tell the story Benny the Bomb. I had to take Benny the Bomb to a radio station Y100, and Y100. You had to go up like three flights of stairs. And Benny the Bomb, as he's going up the stairs, says, "I'm scared of heights. I, is there an elevator?" And I'm looking at the guy saying the guy's about to blow. You know, two days from now he's gonna be blowing himself up with a bunch of dynamite in a box in front of 40,000 people, and he's scared to go upstairs. I didn't quite, <laughs> I didn't quite understand it. Uh, but yeah, it was. Um, it, it's it's fun to watch all the different things going on. How about the as a kid? Do you remember the ostriches? Remember Harry Harry Callis and Richie Ashburn got on live ostriches
0: and yes, that that and that they're pretty nasty animals. They're really nasty. And as a matter of fact, Dave Raymond who was the best friend of the fanatic at the time uh at the time he wasn't the best friend he was actually an intern here is before he became the year before he became uh the best friend and he had to wrangle these ostriches and (laughs) he tells a great story where you know these ostriches were wild and richie ashburn's ostrich they had these little chariots basically uh, hooked up to the ostriches so they weren't our, Harry and Whitey weren't on the back of an ostrich but they were in this little right, in chariot, the chariot right? yeah. which is even scarier which well, even scarier just as scarier and Whitey's just Ran around the outfield, and, uh, well, the next day, they all got taken up. uh, uh, Chrissy, Dave Raymond, up to Mr. Giles' office. And, uh, you know, whose job was it to, you know, uh, know, to wrangle these (laughs) ostriches? (laughs) And the trainer of the ostriches was up there, and he's pointing to Dave Raymond, who was an intern at the time. (laughs) You know, so, uh, you know, it it is funny. Our meetings are funny, aren't they, John? It's like – you know, you start talking about, you know, animals and, you know, the fanatics, you know, is ridden in on an elephant for, you know, uh, you know, one of his birthday parties. We had the birthday party coming up in a couple of weeks. And I know this is a podcast. Somebody might not be hearing this, John, until August and the birthday party will be over. But I think next week we're going to touch on a yep. little bit of, uh, you know, what sometimes happens at a fanatic birthday party.
2: Well, you're exactly right that sometimes uh, you and I feel like we are. In fact, we just got out of a meeting that you feel like uh, in Seinfeld when George Costanzo bought John Voight's station wagon (laughs) and he wanted to have John Voight night, right? And that's we we sit in these meetings where ridiculous things come out, and sometimes the promotions don't exactly go as planned. I remember when we had – this is here – we had – it was a fanatic's birthday. We had – a wrestling event. Oh, and yes. we are going to have not like current WWE wrestlers or back then WWF wrestlers. We were going to have like some of the old-time guys like Bruno San Martino and uh, – Yeah, you? the Samoan brothers. The Simo- right, the, the Flying Samoans or whatever yes. they were. So we're going to have all these – well, these guys are older. They were, they were in their 60s, right, if, if not higher. And what had happened, if you remember – Everything was okay. We were a little nervous about it anyway because here's again, these guys are not in their exactly their prime. Well, what had happened was, if you remember, that um, the ring didn't show up. Exactly. Well, and then we're deciding, all right, we've been promoting this, but there's no ring. So what are we going to do? And half, there was half the people that said we should just go for it, but somehow we'll have to make a. A, a perimeter so they know where they're going. Another person said, no, it's going to be a bad idea. It's going to be
0: complete chaos. Well, we went with the uh, A, uh, the former, and John, I'll never forget, Dan Baker making the announcement. because like, oh, we don't have a ring, so they were just going to use the infield, basically, these guys. But Dan Baker's announcements, announcement was, hey, welcome to Fnatic Birthday. We got this big wrestling uh, you know, act that's going to happen right now, big rec- wrestling match. And he goes, and there's no ring. <laughs> there's no rules, there's no holds barred. Right. And everybody's like, yeah! Well, and we had told these guys, hey, listen, uh, whatever you do, don't do the pile driver <laughs> right, move, right. because somebody just got paralyzed. I don't know if it was when Andy Kaufman right, was right, around, right, right. or somebody had just gotten hurt. Right. a pile driving. Oh, so we move.
2: had lawyers back then, you're saying. So we so we, just, Chrissy, we, we would,
0: must have just hired a lawyer. We should have asked Chrissy about that, because <laughs> right. Chrissy was the one who had to tell these old wrestlers, right. that you can't do a pile driver move. Well, the wrestling match starts. These guys are all over the infield. It really looked—it didn't look good at all. Two of the guys go climbing up onto the dugout. They're usul- utilizing the dugout now. And sure enough, <laughs> up on the dugout, the guy picks him up, flips him over, and does a pile driver right on the Phillies' dugout. And Chrissy, I thought she was going to faint. Right. <laughs> but it was a great birthday for the Fanatic. He had a great time.
2: Well, if you also remember as a kid, uh, Cash Scramble. Right. That was cash scramble was the best. Right. You, uh, certain um, fans would get picked and they'd go on the field and they basically get into either a bubble or. Right. And they, they collect as much cash or so it's on the field. Not. Yeah. Right. We would
0: just put the money right out on the field.
2: So one year and one year we'll have to we'll have to get Dave Buck, who's our executive uh, senior executive vice president, um, because he was uh, involved in this one where uh, we were going to have uh, the, the we're going to have fans come out on the on the field and we had a big Cadillac and there was a bunch of we, they put keys to the Cadillac in a balloon and they had these balloons on the field so the fan the fans got that that were lucky enough to get picked on the field would pop a balloon and they'd take the keys and they'd open the door and if the, if the door opened or they tried to open the door if the door opened they win the Cadillac right oh. well what had happened was all the balloons got popped and every fan none of the None of the keys worked. Well, they're all looking around. All of a sudden, it's becoming a big dud. One of the ground crew guys that was in charge of putting the keys in the balloon... I guess put his keys in the balloon and had the Cadillac keys in his pocket. So he told he told Dave Buck and he said and Dave's like, well, "Alright, just just put it down here. Put it somehow make it a balloon and just say, say that we it was a balloon that never was popped." So it was complete and I'm sure, I think the fans
0: were kind of caught on in what was going on. You know, so. we've come a long way with that one, John, cuz now when you do that bit, all you have to do is hit the button and if it beeps, you know you got the right keys, you know, with the new technology, the keyless entry. So that's how we've changed that around. But do you remember the instant vacation promotion? Of course. Love that promotion. It was, uh, you know, you'd, you'd tell people to get here early, pack a bag, you know, f- uh, for an overnight bag or a couple nights, and come down on the field, and we'd line everybody out there, and we'd say, okay, you know, and we'd announce a winner. You're now go. We'd, I think we'd have like five. Like Bahamas maybe,
2: or somewhere. Yeah,
0: and maybe like five winners, yep. and we'd announce the winners. And. And and those winners would have to just walk off the field. We had a bus waiting for them. That bus would take them right to the airport. Those people would leave instantly. I thought it was the coolest promotion. But the funniest thing about the promotion was watching 500 people leave the field with bags, (laughs) all dejected. You know, know, I guess we're going back home. We didn't win the trip.
2: We make make five people happy and 500 people really (laughs) (laughs) upset.
0: Right. I mean, (laughs) it's...
2: Again, I. there's so many great childhood memories of all those wacky promotions, cash scramble, and uh, a lot of fun. So, yeah, let, let's – uh go ahead.
0: Yeah, you know, so I, that's what I'm thinking, John. You know, th- listen, this is we're going to wrap up our first bro- uh, podcast. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I think uh, what's going to be – Well, we're going to have one got? more
2: segment, right? Uh,
0: no, I think this is it, pal. All right, well, yeah. then we're not
2: going to end then on this that, Tom, because I have a surprise for you. Oh, wait, what? Okay, we're going to end with a little trivia quiz. All right? I went back through history since we've gone through history this whole show. Go ahead. And I have a little quiz. And if you can answer, in fact, let's let's try to do this with some maybe, we'll even try with some players, maybe coaches uh, going forward. And we'll, we'll find an area of expertise, and then we'll ask them five questions. And if they get, uh, well, if they get, really a B is 80%, right? So if they get four out of five, they'll win a prize. I like it. So yes. this would
0: be like a weekly uh, segment.
2: Yes, and it'll be in,
0: uh, in, and get the players involved. I yes,
2: it. and it'll be an incentive for them to uh, win. Now we don't know what the prize is, uh, so for you, fanatic, um, best friend of the fanatic, what uh, do what do what do you, you, you want to win if you get four out of these five?
0: Well, we're giving out a bucket hat. Uh, at the Fanatic birthday party this year, and yep. the Fanatic never gets the giveaway. Never. All right. Never gets a piece of his own cake because the camera guys always eat it. Right. And he never gets the giveaway. So I'll take a Philly Fanatic bucket
3: hat all right. if I get so this So if you right. get four out of five. Oh, four out of five. And this okay. is
2: histo- Fanatic historical questions, and we'll wrap it up with this. Uh, good luck winning the fanatic, or the Philly Fanatic bucket hat brought to you by Citizens Bank. Uh, on, and all kids for gender, get it on.
0: Uh, On April 29th.
2: April 29th. Citizens
0: Bank Philly Fanatic birthday. And, John, if I can't get four or five of these, then uh, maybe we should end the the podcast. All right. Ready?
2: Here we are. Uh, Uh This is helped by Dave Raymond, uh, my former best friend of the Fanatic. Uh, Question number one. What former sitting U.S. president did the Fanatic meet first at Veterans Stadium? Okay. So what former sitting U.S. president did the Fanatic meet first at Veterans Stadium? Was it A., George H.W. Bush, was it B. Richard Nixon, C. Gerald Ford, D. Dwight D. Eisenhower?
0: Huh. Wait, what are, the, what are those uh, <laughs> what? choices again? So the the that's former, I, the I former sitting
2: U.S. president the Fanatic meet at Veterans Stadium, was but it? But
0: was, he was president sitting at the Sitting president,
2: time? yes. Was it H.W., uh, was it Richard D- Nixon, Gerald Ford, or Dwight D. Eisenhower? Charles Ford. Now, if you say Dwight D. Eisenhower, no, can't be um, Ford. I'm, I'm really going to be. No, no. Uh, because he died in. Uh, no.
0: And Nixon yeah. wasn't. He in, died in
2: 1969. So. so it can
0: only be George Bush.
2: Uh, no. But you said
0: a city, he was president at the time. And the Fanatics started in 78. All those other presidents were presidents before. Oh, but
2: former oh. sitting U.S.
0: president. Then what I'll does say, that mean? It's yeah, <laughs> that, written form, by Dave Raymond here. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, right. You're dealing with a mascot. Former sitting. Well, well I, I guess. A former president, it would be Gerald Ford.
2: All right. He is saying the answer is B, Richard Nixon, uh, and it was taken in the umpire's room behind home plate. How about that? Uh, He said he personally met Gerald Ford at the 76 All-Star Game uh, since he was in attendance that night. But yeah. obviously the Fanatic didn't arrive until 1978. So it was Richard Nixon at okay. uh, some point. Former sitting president. Yeah, uh, there's, we, we have some we issues might have with that We have go one. to the judges on All that right. one. All we'll right, we'll save that one. Hopefully you're going to go four for four here so there's no dispute. All right, what was the first Fanatic wardrobe presented to him from the Phillies? Was it A, a retro – there's only three on this one. Uh, was it A, a retro Phillies jersey? Was it B, disco pants? Or C, rain slicker?
0: I'll say C, rain slicker.
2: Rain slicker is correct. Uh, It made the Fanatic, as uh, Dave said, look like a red Charlie tuna, but it was functional because it kept the fur and feathers dry. It was created to be fun and functional. So how about that? All right, there you go. So you are kind of maybe two for two. We'll we'll see. Three, what Philadelphia Phillies player or coach was the first one to be photographed with the Philly Fanatic on April 25th, 1978? Tim McCarver. Is Is it Tony Taylor? Tim McCarver, Bobby Wine, or Tug McGraw.
0: Oh, 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 wait, hold on. Uh photographed Tony Taylor. Tony Taylor is correct. Yeah, because yes. uh, yeah, you got me on that one because uh that was on the field. It's behind home f- plate. Before the fanatic went out that night. Yeah, the end of batting practice. Tim McCarver was on the Captain Noah show back in the day, and that was the first time the fanatic was uh, went public. Was actually on the Captain Noah program. Is that right? With Tim McCarver. Absolutely. Send your pictures.
2: There you go. Uh, Tony absolutely loved the fanatic. By the way. Tony Taylor. Love uh, and I think Dave knew at that point that he was going to be a, a big hit. So, um, and you know what advice Bill Giles gave to Dave Raymond? Yes,
0: I do. Just go out there and have fun.
2: Have G rated fun.
0: G rated fun. Yes. That's right.
2: All right, you're on a roll. Two more questions. Go ahead. What was the most dangerous situation the fanatic ever found himself in during the 80s? Was it A, gasoline leaking from the three wheeler in the stands? B, a run-in with an elephant at the Philadelphia Zoo. C, the wheel of death during the Fanatic's birthday party. Or D, being interviewed by Richie Ashburn before a game.
0: (laughs) I got to go with the leaking gasoline. It's not leaking gasoline? Serious? Uh. You didn't have to say that because I'm trying to help you. (laughs) Well, I'll be protesting the first uh, (laughs) answer. It was the elephant?
2: Uh, A run-in with the elephant at the Philadelphia Zoo. He said Denny, Lehman, Joanne, uh, the Fanatic. Uh, they were shooting promo videos for the upcoming games. They let the Fanatic stand on the inside of the fence Go surrounding on. the elephant. So he's in the elephant area. He said he was standing on a stone embankment, and, uh, and the elephant uh, came up and started s- uh, sniffing the Fanatic with a trunk. When the Fanatic stuck his tongue out, the elephant grabbed it with his trunk and pulled it out. And it could have been a little scary because that could have meant the Fanatic also was uh, you know, dumped into a... Uh,
0: Pit. so I, I i think i'd even protest that that's kind of subjective i mean what's more dangerous than gasoline <laughs> a flammable costume and uh or the wheel of death it's called the, the wheel of death <laughs> or the vet that was uh, still smoking at the time it was not a non-smoking right. uh i will ahead. tell
2: dave raymond that it's under protest but i'm going to give <laughs> yeah. you this one if you get this one then i think of the protest and the, the first hat. one you get the bucket hat okay and this is really this is a trick question, okay? Before we discover the fanatic came from the Galapagos Islands, what did Philly fans think he was? Um, was it A, an aardvark, B, an anteater, C, an armadillo, or D, a psychedelic aberration?
0: <laughs> I still uh, hear people think it's an anteater, Jeff. And still, A. And an aardvark. And an aardvark. Yeah, you hear both of them. Yeah. You still do.
2: Yep. So that is exactly right, uh, and that's uh, what all the fans were yelling at the fanatic during his first visit to a car dealership in Mount Ephraim. Did you know that? <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> there was a guy named Joe who's a car dealer. He loved the fanatic. His kids begged him to bring him in, and uh, that dealership gave the fanatic his first bragging wagon van uh, at his birthday party.
0: Yeah, how about that? That was the first, uh, really one of the first birthday presents. The fanatic got his own van, and you know. Listen, those early days were unbelievable. When I talked to Dave about those days, I mean, really, people by the thousands would come out and see the Fanatic because it was so new and so different. And, uh, just and just again,
2: very- that was in the heyday of it's not like there was a bad team on the field when the yeah. Fanatic arrived from Galapagos Islands. I mean, you're talking, you know, arguably like right in its heyday, 78, when you had – all You know, the, the core that went on to win the 1980 World Series. Yeah,
0: it's, it's really awesome. What, what a great history. So, hey, John, we're going to talk more fanatic. We're going to talk more promotions. We're going to talk more behind the scenes at the Phillies uh, on this weekly podcast. I'm pumped. This is really going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I love the name, Phillies Backstage. I like that. Who came up with that?
2: Uh, I think the, uh, <laughs> the fanatic did. Uh, but I, you're exactly right, Tom. You know, obviously we ourselves have a lot of great stories, but we have access to people that, uh, that have been around here that, you know, we say it all the time just in the lunchroom, up in the press club. We tell these stories back and forth to each other. Why not? <laughs> we got to tell it out to the listeners so they can hear the inside stories of the behind the scenes of the Phillies.
0: It's going to be great, John. Thanks. And, uh, hey, I guess we'll see you next week, and we'll see all of you out there at the ballpark.